0: You go okay. okay, let's begin the next session. I guess this is going to be about uh, rocket science. No, <laughs> I, I saw the movie; saw it was great. Um, well, we we're going to uh, not talk about that, but uh, uh, would like to introduce, introduce Ellen McCarthy and "Julia Says Shimosato." There you go. That was close. <laughs> I know. Take it away. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So. Um, As we were just introduced, my name is Ellen McCarthy. I'm a managing director of Cadent Medical Communications. We are a full service medical communications company and um, I'm also happy to be here, not only to talk about the peer review process and creating manuscripts from raw data. Uh, I happen to have gone to school at Columbia, so it's always great to come back here. Um, In terms of what we hope to do today, well, I'm sorry, I will let Julia introduce herself as well.
1: Hi, my name is Julia Saiz Shimosato. I work with Elena Caden and I lead more the publication side of our business, working mostly with pharmaceutical biotech uh, clients, helping them uh, shape up their data and put them in the final format of clinical articles that we all know so well in conference presentations. Great.
0: So um, we are of course very happy to come and speak on, uh, as Tori had asked us to, really what we want to focus on is how to turn data into Um, an article. As Julia noted, we have a publications group that specializes in this and there is a process that we follow and there are certain questions that we ask at the beginning uh, and answer as we go through. And so what we wanna do today is really focus on, we're gonna distill it down a bit, but we're gonna focus on these four key areas. Of course, the data itself. What is that data that you have? Um, Who is that target audience that you're trying to reach? What are some of those key messages that you're trying to communicate? Um, The conduit in terms of the peer review process itself, it can seem daunting. There are a lot of steps to it, but trust us, when we boil it down, it will be Uh, fairly simple, and then we do want to get into the format. So what are the different types of articles that you can publish um, based on the data that you have, but also just based on what you're trying to communicate uh, within, whether it be in a journal or even at a Congress, um, in a Congress uh, setting. So we'll start with the data. As Julia said, we do partner mostly with biotech, pharmaceutical companies in terms of clinical science or even preclinical science. So this may be data that is that asks how does the drug work in terms of biochemical assays, what are some of those reasons to believe, a proof of concept in cells or animal models, that's at the very beginning. There may also be data when it comes to, of course, in the clinical setting, the efficacy of a compound, um, the, the tolerability profile, late stage trials, and then of course real world trials. You guys may be working with larger data sets when it comes to the service or what that data shows or how that data operates. Uh, anyway you slice it, you do have to think about what is the data that you're working with, um, and then not only that, but how did you generate this data? Where did it come from? So we often think about it in terms of a prospective trial, in other words, we're testing a hypothesis and that's where that data came from, or from a retrospective analysis, which means we've taken a lot of different data sets and put them together, uh, sorry, we, we've taken one data set and we think, you know what, maybe this was not um, an established a pre-established endpoint, but we think there's some data in there that we can mine for that's going to answer a question. And that's what we mean by uh, retrospective. And again, that may be from clinical data sets that were done a priori, or it may be from real data sets that are observational data. Um, And so that's how we start to think about what are the different types of study settings. Because all of this will factor into the type of manuscript that you're putting together and how you piece it together for your audience. In terms of who are we trying to reach, who is that target audience, this is a really important question that you need to ask yourself at the beginning of the peer review process. Uh, you may be targeting C-suites, you may be targeting decision makers, you may be targeting administrators. You've gotta think about how you piece that data together to tell a story that's gonna resonate and be relevant to them, but you also have to think about what is the journal or what is that uh, channel where they're going to be where this data can make the most impact. So on this slide, we've, we've highlighted both congresses and. As well as the journals themselves, in the scientific field or clinical science or basic science, you know the publishing is very important. That's, that's demonstrating that you have data to support your your theories. Um, we also know that having presence at congresses, where there may be your direct audiences, so maybe there are stakeholders, C suites do go to these clinical science uh, conferences, uh, data science conferences. Those are all folks who are in attendance who are going to directly interact with your data. You also have to think about that there's a PR aspect of all of this too as we see in our everyday life you get alerts in terms of who's released what data the panel before was just talking about philips released um, a, a press release about uh, blockchain. so you've got to think about where is your data going to be picked up and making sure it's in the right format and the message or messages are in there that you would like um, them to pick up uh, and then, of course, in terms of the articles themselves, we often think about impact factor when it comes to publishing. Uh, who is the, What is the reach of the different journals that you're looking into? Is it going to the audience that you're looking to, to, um, to educate on or that you would like to communicate with? Uh, and that can be experts in your field. It could be clinicians. It can be data scientists. But all that comes into play when thinking about where you're actually going to publish. Because where you publish actually then informs uh, the peer review process in terms of the um, editorial guidelines, the type of formats that they like, even in terms of the the graphics that you submit, they have to be in certain formats. So all of that is really uh, important and you've got to think about all this before you decide which channel you actually want to get into. And I'm going to turn it over to Julia to share with you the rest of the peer review process. So
1: now that uh, in theory we've we've seen which data we have to share, who do we wanna reach with those data? So the idea is, what is the process that we follow to to put those data out in the public domain? So that's what we call the, the, uh, in biomedicine right now, the standard thing is the peer review process, right? So if we start from the far left, we had our data, we write it in manuscript form. So that's the first step we will submit it to one journal and we will talk in a minute about the choice of which journal, there are many out there, right? So which journal is appropriate for our data. That journal will put it through the actual process that gives the name to the whole production, which is the the peer reviews. Um, who are there um, in theory, or or it should be blinded. So apart from the cuteness of the icon right there, we hear their voices, we hear their comments, but we shouldn't know who they are, just to prevent bias and, and any type of personal interference there. And eventually our manuscript will get published in the form of an article. So when we prepare the manuscript, one of the key? There are many things to pay attention to, as Alan mentioned, in terms of format, and how does it look, and how long it is, how many figures, and so on. But there are some key principles that we have to adhere to in order for it to be suitable for peer review publication. Uh, it has to be novel, so any self-respecting journal will want something that is original work uh, and is not being um, submitted elsewhere, but also, that it will not be disclosed violating or breaching their own timelines, right? So it has to be under their own um, timelines and stipulations. That's what we call their embargo policies. It has to be original. Uh, It has to be your own work and not to be submitted elsewhere and it has to be created with some um, sense of integrity and adhering to the best practices for, for this process. And I know that was part of our title, so just to spend a little bit of time on that. What does it mean uh, that we fulfill those best practices and is an integrity, uh, is driven with integrity. There are two sets of practices or two sets of criteria, meeting authorship criteria for those who are authors of a manuscript and the manuscript being uh, put together uh, under good publication practices. And you see there the links to see those, these two items in detail. So what we put here in the slides is basically what are these two things trying to ensure? They're trying to ensure that whomever appears as an author of a manuscript is truly intellectually owner of what is in that manuscript. They are familiar with the data, they know how it's been produced, they are accountable for that data. and and they take full engaged uh, conceptual and intellectual responsibility for it. And the manuscript has to be put together uh, under good publication practices. So those who sometimes when you read them in detail, they are very, uh, they are fairly detailed set of guidelines. Certainly aim to kind of, uh, these two things go hand in hand to make sure that those authorship criteria are uh, well kept and. Uh, uh, followed in terms of making sure that anything that goes into the manuscript, actually the authors had agreed upon. Uh, Anybody that contributes to the manuscript that perhaps may not raise to the level of an author does so with the author's, uh, author's agreement that any exchange of information and opinions and comments and sometimes the putting together of a manuscript entails reaching consensus between a group of authors, making sure that all that is conducted in a transparent fashion and there are no external or extraneous or extra extra scientific interference in that process. Uh, now, once we have our manuscript put together in the best possible way, we submit it to a journal. What does the um, what does that mean? We have to select the journal that actually is the best suited to convey that manuscript to the larger public, right? So it will depend on the topics on which the journal focuses, on the types of audiences with the journal focuses. So in, in biomedical literature, some journals are known to aim to laboratory type of researchers. Some others are known to aim to more like practice-oriented clinicians. Some others are oriented to nurse and other uh, ancillary healthcare staff. So just to give you a flavor, different journals target different audiences. So that's to, to keep in mind. And we think, and in another cross-dimensional aspect to that, different journals have different what we call impacts, right? So some journals, which sometimes are featured in the lay media, right, uh, have high impact. They are very stringent with what they publish. They aim to publish pieces of biomedical data that will actually change how actual patients are treated in whatever disease. Uh, Some other journals publish more narrow scope type of work uh, that is interesting to more specialized specialized audiences or or, or other more uh, narrow focus uh, readers. So knowing that, knowing where each journal stands in the ecosystem of publications is good to find a suitable destination for, for your article. And now the journal will put it through the peer review process. What does that mean? We submit our, our manuscript and there will be a number of experts, that again, in a blinded fashion, review the manuscript and give feedback upon that. And that feedback is put together, collated by the editors of the journal to... to um, not encourage, but to compel the authors to to make revisions to make that that journal manuscript better. So a manuscript may start looking like the far left and change in form, and and we were all to decide which one is better, but that's the the essence of the peer review system, to make a manuscript better by revision. And in the middle you see some of the things that reviewers may ask for. Certainly there are things that, go to the form or the format of the manuscript. Uh, There has to be appropriately structured and referenced and what have you. But sometimes the data that are in the manuscript is not deemed to be sufficient to to support the conclusions. Sometimes uh, it deserves a little bit more of a critical interpretation. Sometimes the limitations of the methodology have to be more obvious. Uh, All those things the reviewers are entitled to ask for. And if we want to get that article published, we will have to abide by that. Now, sometimes a process, as you can imagine, for somebody that has done work to generate those data and, and emotionally invested, in it may be painstaking. So this this famous um, a retort in the biomedical world about the resentment that sometimes the peer review process may generate. So that's kind of the backbone of how the peer review system works. Uh, certainly, we, in a given journal, we can find different types of articles, depending on the nature of the starting information and the digestion process that that information and those data undergo. So it will have a straightforward single study, what we call one data set. is analyzed for the first time, reports the results as a primary article. There are types of analysis that take several existing data sets and reanalyze them as a pool, as a single unit. Depending on the methodology, we call those pool analysis or meta-analysis. There are work in the peer review arena in which they take all those existing data and they don't provide anything necessarily new in terms of analysis, but they provide context and, and interpretation. So those are review type of articles that can be systematic or narrative. And then sometimes or oftentimes a piece of data come that is important and intriguing enough that may warrant uh, opinion or points of view type of of, uh, items. Um, And those usually go in the editorial or different journals have different names for that, news and views, editorial type of pieces. Now, if what we think we have to publish has a very specific angle to it, Right, so sometimes we take data and we wanna put forward a very provocative point of view about it or lean on those data to outline an agenda for future research. Perhaps we have to step out of the actual peer review arena and we will have uh, white papers, uh, oftentimes um, put together by um, corporations or so on to, to outline their point of view on a specific topic. Um, sometimes articles had a certain level of technical sophistication, and if we want to digest what is in those peer review articles for a more lay audience, uh, we have to lean on. Um, you know, type of corporate communications or or, um, public relations type of professionals to digest that and put in the lay media. So that would be um, your PR efforts. And oftentimes we all see in the mainstream media capturing what is being published in uh, medical journals to communicate to the public. So those, uh, that's kind of uh, a second step beyond the peer review to, to translate what is in the peer review for the larger audience. So, in summary or in closing, um, we would like to convey to you that to this day, when um, a participant in the healthcare system, pharma, biotech, medical devices, providers of service, they want to approve and and validate the data to the larger audience uh, for still to this day, the peer review is kind of the gold standard. You could say that. Perhaps it's the, the worst system, because it has sort of the worst system with the exception of all the rest. Uh, I think it still stands strong. Um, now when we read an article that is pu- uh, published in the peer review system, if we look at it with careful eyes, it can tell us a lot about the relevance of the data, how reliable it is, how comprehensive the impact that it may have in, in healthcare. And the peer review sometimes is the feeding ingredient uh, for, for other types of communications that go to the mainstream media, to uh, corporate communications and, and to other audiences. And I think in terms of what is that we wanted to tell you today, I think this is it. Uh, thank you so much for your attention and I don't know if there are any questions or comments, we'll be glad to yeah, to entertain those. <laughs> Sure. sure. Uh, so, somebody I said peer review is the least broken thing in academic scholarly communications. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what would you improve in peer review, just uh, you know, I mean, I
0: think there's a lot written about all the problems, and you know, Harvard just retracted 30 mm-hmm, articles mm-hmm. last week. And you know, hey, give me your opinions on you know what you fix first. And, you
1: know. um, well, I think at uh, the core, peer review is an honor system. So any journal editor will assume that what is submitted to them is, is real, right? And sometimes you see oh, and uh, sometimes the psychology. Recently there was a case of sociological sciences people submitting Fakes. bogus yeah. fake stuff. So it's it's funny. I mean, it's, I don't. But you know, it's easy to fool an honor system, right? So because I can sit down and make up the stuff and submit it. Um, so perhaps that makes it a little bit vulnerable to that type of. Um, uh, chicanery, if you will, uh, so I don't know if there would be a, a more robust system to, for journals and so on. Now that businesses, and there are many vested interests, uh, interests um, submitting pieces to peer review journals, right? So perhaps fear out ways to protect it from, from uh, attempts to fool the system. That would be one, one thing to consider. Um, and then there's the mechanics of it, sometimes it's ponderous, right? you submit to a journal, comes back forth, and, and that may be a protracted process that detracts from, from the impact that a certain data can have. Um, so perhaps, uh, now with technology, I think things are becoming more agile, but it's still uh, speed may, may be a, also a, a weak point, point.
0: I don't know if Yeah, you... no, I was actually gonna speak about speed <laughs> and efficiency. I think that's generally the, the challenge, and a lot of that goes back to you don't know who the reviewers are, and this is probably the hundredth thing on their list that they need to do is review an article. Uh, I don't have an answer to that, but I definitely know that we've, you know, it takes time. It does take time. Should peer reviewers be paid, or should they get reputational, you know, citation credit or, you know,
1: some? Some some journals, when the article is finally published, will list who the peer reviewers are. Um, I speak for myself. I'm not sure I read those with a lot of detail. Uh, perhaps um, some compensation or incentive to speed up their their process. Um, But obviously, that will have to be done in a very careful way, because it it lends itself to some perverse incentive there, right? So, uh, but anything that incentivizes the the peer reviews, some speed, uh, that would be good, at some
0: point. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you you very much, that was great. Thank you.